0: Talking about how this time journaling thing has been a been a a a blessing, an irritating blessing. Is there such a thing as an irritating blessing?
1: Yeah, shit that pisses you off, but it has such good results that you have to keep doing it. (laughs) (laughs) And you were
0: go ahead. We operate it. What do they figure? At such a low percentage of what we're capable of day to day. And so, what we're trying to do is just, just kind of move the needle, get that percentage up there. I mean, we can't be a hundred percent, hundred percent of the time, but we can be a lot better than twenty percent. A lot better.
1: And the only way to get better than twenty percent is knowing you're doing twenty percent, right?
0: You got to keep track of it. It, 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 isn't that right, Mike? So,
2: so absolutely
0: who's that, Carrie? Who said that? <laughs> the guy's been creeping in on our call. We been... want to welcome the one and only Mike Skinner of Boise, Idaho. And uh, so we met Mike. I met him back in, and I'd forgotten about this, to be honest with you, at a seminar. When was that, Mike? That was back in... Uh, Oh, it, it had about be, five, five, six years ago, maybe I was, you know,
2: I went back to see if I could find my notes from it. Couldn't, but it has to be at least six. Yeah. Time flies. That's was right, right after we moved back to Boise. So I know it was somewhere in that six, seven year range. Yeah. So wow. that's
0: where I met him. It was a raw braiders gathering here in the town I live in and. And uh, Dr. Adrian Kittridge was uh, giving a presentation on, and I didn't had met never met her before, but boy, she was shooting some live ammo and uh, was, I was picking up on a lot of stuff that she had to say. So
1: So, so you why met don't, her.
0: why don't you uh, give us a little bit of your background and uh, how it is coming out of the corporate world, you are now, a raw hydrator. What, yeah. what kind of a, a, a moniker do we give raw hydrators? <laughs> you tell me I'm a glue sniffer. What, what's yeah. a raw hydrator?
1: Well, man, you got to be real careful. You got to be, I'll, I'll, I got to explain, Mike. You got to be real careful around raw hydrators that really don't have a, a specific name, but they got really sharp knives. They, so,
2: doing they, <laughs> they, they, they on flesh. Yes. question, and uh, we'll just call them Raiders for right now. Fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> the, uh, well, thank you for inviting me this morning. It's been uh, fun getting to know both of you over the last couple months, really. I, so as Kerry mentioned, I met him five years ago, and, then, and the thing I'll say is that coming out of the business world, what Dr. Pittridge was throwing at everybody, I thought was awesome. And, but I think I might have been the only one in the room to talk to like She was speaking my language marketing, mm-hmm. sales, and product development, and financial management. and planning. I thought, oh, this is awesome. This is, uh, this, this is I'd been braiding for a while. So I figured I, there was a lot that um, I'd be able to adapt, and that others would, all, would be right there beside me because. She wouldn't be here if it wasn't of interest to everybody. Carrie and I talked a couple of weeks ago. That wasn't necessarily the case. I think that um, I, Carrie was taking notes fast and furious, but I think most others were trying to think how they could get to twisting a rope with Steve Derricott, uh during that session, which was unfortunate, but it gave me a pretty good view of kind of where things were. And then Carrie and I met again, it's like the only time we ever got together was when there was something financially oriented or business oriented that was a topic. And the next time was in Weezer at an Idaho Arts Commission uh, gathering of saddle makers. And Bob Hickman and I put on a presentation on business practices. And uh, I don't know, Carrie, we probably had 30-some saddle makers, mm-hmm. Um Fair number of TCA members, so we're well represented there, and um, one of the, the pieces that the folks that were putting it on really wanted to be able to uh, to do was to get feedback on saddles, and so there were, I think, 10 people brought saddles um, and got some incredible feedback on uh, their skills and, and on product development, on look and feel, and uh, and Again, this other another one of those sessions where um, two or three people, I think, were really involved in the business side. But for the most part, others were um, a little bit less connected. And um, so it was me I was beginning to get a feel for kind of where things were. And then I met Wilson um, about three months ago, first time. I followed him on Facebook and watched his incredible work. Uh, at a TCA event in Oklahoma city. And, um, again, business, and, um, pr- product and, uh, the art form were all front and center, uh, with a room full of bitten spur makers, which is the first time I'd been around them. Um, they're a scary crew. Um, just, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then and rawhide braiders and, and, uh, I I walked, you know, it's one of those things that sometimes things, I believe everything happens for a reason. I got hung up in the hallway talking to somebody I hadn't seen in a while. And so, and historically, I'm always the first guy in the room. I want to pick my seat. I want to be settled. I want to be where I want to be. I hate to have my back to a door. So it was kind of driving me nuts that I'm in the hall and I couldn't get in and get settled. And I knew things were going to start. And By the time I walked in the door, the only seat in the room not taken (laughs) Um, was next to Carrie, was next to Willie, and uh, I didn't know Willie, but um, it was that was one of those things that was just had to happen. Uh, We, I sat down with him, I don't know, Willie, 15 or 20 minutes. We were pretty close friends and starting to share a whole lot of really good information with each other, and um, so it was kind of my introduction to the two of you together and what you're doing with the podcast, Uh, and the common denominator in all of the, the initial introductions we had was business and um, how to financially um, organize anything to be able to be successful.
1: I'm sure he kind of felt funny, Carrie, because I kind of started scooting my chair over closer and closer as the day went of business talks. I said, I got to get close to this guy. We, we got to be, he, he's going to be my friend, whether he wants to be or not. I see a potential to make a living.
2: So. Well, I had you on one side of me and Jason on the other. Oh, yeah. And, uh, I was kind of bookended, yeah. and, but it, it turned out to be awesome. Well,
1: it, it, and it, what you know it's um uh i feel very fortunate and lucky mike that you did sit down next to me and and it's the one part of my career that's as we've discussed that you know uh, uh, we craftspeople we makers oh lord y'all see that hold on somehow the internet just plugged on and my engraving room took off um no the the one thing that that is that we've not really been exposed to is business mind, right? And I've always wanted to have business. I have a minor in business and I always kind of want to do it. And so when I find somebody like you, Mike, that that understands some things that I've never heard about or never thought about or maybe been introduced to, but have no idea how to relate it to our world. And that is one thing that, man, you are a, a bit of a unicorn in a situation that you do understand both sides of the aisle. And I believe, our business is very similar, but relating it directly to what we do and how we do it is um, uh, sometimes challenging for us as as craftspeople. So to have your your experience there is, man, that's incredible and exciting for me.
2: Well, it's a lot of fun for me. I so i um, I spent forty five years in a corporate business world um, with companies like Carnation and. Shasta Beverages, Lacroix Mineral Water, um, and then was with a company that probably many on this call may not know, um, the Coinstar business. And we had a business that we bought from McDonald's called Redbox. And I was there for 10 years, and that was a public company. So we spent time on Wall Street. Uh, I joined them there about $500 million. And when I left 10 years later, it was about a $2 billion still publicly traded company. And... So my world was, it was big. It was a lot of people. I had 800 people working for me and $300 million of revenue. And we moved three and a half billion dollars of coin around three countries in the world. Um, So it was a very logistical, um, intense business. And um, like a lot of things, I kind of burned out from, I never really wanted to be a corporate executive in a public company. Um, It's... um, it's a it's a unique adventure in today's world, and so Cheryl and I, we both, I was born in Twin Falls and um, grew up in Caldwell, just outside of Boise, and Cheryl was still living here when we met, and so it was kind of our plan to eventually get back here. And when I came back, I didn't really have a job, so I we started looking around, and um I raised my hand as I, and I, it's kind of the same thing I'm doing in the rawhide community or the traditional arts. I just raise my hand and say, How can I help? Um, it's sure. the question that opens doors. And we found a couple of partners and we started a company called The Advisory Group after doing a strategic plan of trying to find what the opportunities were. And we ended up working with some of the largest Idaho, Oregon, and Utah privately held family owned businesses. Doing strategic planning, organizational development, um, helping them um, in, improve their cost structures, and it was it was a nice transition into into um, allowing me to start to develop my rawhide skills. And that background is um, so my my family are all somehow related to ag or horses. Um, I'm kind of the I'm the oddball. I'm the one that went off and went into the business world. And uh, my grandfather in Twin Falls was the head of the Twin Falls Mounted Posse um, for years. So where we went as kids was to a rodeo where they were performing um, trail rides up in the South Hills. And then my dad's family were um, homesteaded Jordan Valley, Oregon. So about 80 miles outside of Boise. And the ranch is still there. And that's where I spent summers and that's how I put myself through college. And so I had a, a connection into the world of um, the Western world, and I understood the I understood the people, and that that's kind of the unique part of this. Is I I grew up in a corporate world, but I understand the personalities um, that are in the room when you've got a cowboy or a farmer or uh, a horse enthusiast, and that and it was really a, a just my dad telling stories about building his first Riata, um, which was a Mm-hmm. was a mess, um, as he describes it. It got me interested in rawhide mm-hmm. braiding. And for years, I would follow it, but I didn't do anything with it. And it was an article in uh, Alaska Airlines magazine on a guy named Steve Derricott, who's a leather worker, rawhide braider out of Marshine, Idaho, in the Alaska Airlines magazine that my dad saw and sent to me. And I picked up the phone, called Steve, and all of a sudden, the world of rawhide braiding. And, uh, that was 2001, but didn't do much with it until the last seven years. It was kind of hard to manage when I was on the road, 280 days a year. Um, rawhide's not real conducive to that. You can't do it on an airplane or in a hotel room. Uh, <laughs> no. After 11, you couldn't exactly carry knives and, uh, alls no. sharp objects on the airplane. No. So it, it, it no. I work a little bit at it, but the last seven years I've really gotten involved in, um, one of the things, and it, it just led me to. I love the the art of it. I love the skills of it, but um, I think it's an undervalued, underappreciated, underrewarded um, traditional arts, or a place where there's just tremendous opportunity for those who devote their, their their life and their and their minds and their hands to creating this beautiful gear. Um, to uh be acknowledged and rewarded better and that's where i, I kind of raised my hand and said okay how do i help
1: yeah
0: so well mike you you said something there uh, well earlier in this conversation i think maybe even a week or so ago when we were talking on the phone and and uh, here here we are i'm I'm pretty much all in have been for what I do for a long time. And yet I still really, really struggle with this business aspect of what I do. And, and, uh, you mentioned in the seminars that you've sat in on and, uh, you know, you start talking about business things and you look across your audience of craftsmen, cowboy craftsmen and stuff, and people start to glaze over. Why is that? Why is
2: that? You know, I, I think. Um, it varies the reasons are, are pretty um, broad but when I when I as I, I've had a chance to dive into them I think there's three things um, one is I think most artists minds are not wired to detail um, at least discipline relative to numbers and planning um, and so they, they, they resist it. Um, and so I think part of it is just what draws us to create and draws to, to, to want to be, uh, to build is actually sometimes works against the, the things that you need to do to be good on the business side of things, which is discipline, documentation, um, follow through on planning and organizing and you have to be wildly curious on the business side um, which is the other piece is a lot of um which is the third line a lot of artists are are introverse i think carrie i've heard you use that um a lot relative to mm-hmm. you um, and that causes um, them not to want to lead out and engage or um, to ask a question and it um, I think it gets in the way of their ability to get knowledge. not that they're not smart. It's not that they can't do it. It's just that they have to overcome some things in the way they're built to be able to get there.
0: It seems to me like a. it's almost like a different language. You're asking me to be conversing in a language that I don't even know. Do I have to know that? Why do I have to know that language? I just want to make stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's that's often from my side of the the coin. It seems like that's that's often where I'm at. Wilson, did, I think struggles less in that. You know, one of the things I do.
1: You were cutting out Schwartzy, so it, I did may I? did I am I off course? Say that again.
0: Are you there, Wilson? Where's he at? Yeah, yeah. Can you hear me? I can hear you now.
1: Yeah, well, so what what well, you were kind of cutting out when in, when you
0: Skip the internet this morning for some reason. I don't know who's who's got it going or who doesn't, but go ahead, Wilson.
1: Well, so one of the you know like you ask why is it does it fit and why why do we have such a hard time understanding it and and uh, with the business side and relating it to our to our craft and I thought I was different for so many years, right? I just thought that that what those things that Mike is talking about, I just thought it I, I thought it didn't apply, you know, and, and I think there's a lot of us that feel that way. So it's, it's like you say, Mike, is we we have discipline and documentation and numbers and all that. Well, it scares the crap out of us, creative types for whatever reason. And then and then I just thought it didn't work. Right. I thought I couldn't talk business to somebody like yourself or the the board members of the museum. I just thought they, they they would think I was an idiot because. My world doesn't relate to theirs, and as I move along here, shit it's exactly the same. It's all the same business the you know business practices are, are are the same it products a product a services is a service and then how do you make that work and bring it to people it's 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 all the same it relates back and forth and yeah there's there's individual characteristics to each one but yeah i, I it it's the one thing that we have missed so much of I keep saying it and I gotta keep saying it is and i I mean, okay, a while ago you said you have an advisory business and you and then you, you talked about how y'all are helping some of the largest companies in, in Idaho, Mike. Well, can why can a person like me or Carrie or yourself in your Al business business take advantage of an individual like you? Is there a, is there is there can you come into our deal in an advisory position and and say, hey, here's how we need to plan and go? Is that
2: is that what?
1: Available or possible. But one of the
2: things that we learned in the advisory side is that um, it h- accountability is is one of the most important um, things that needs to be in place to stay on course. And um, it's we all need that. Um, hell, my wife is part of my accountability team. To keep me on. So yes, I, I think it's possible. And one of the things we learned in these family-owned businesses is that you'd write a plan, and and it would look like the Blue Angels taking off from the airport. They were in sync, we're in formation, and everything is good, and they're all aiming um, on, to do this, do this, do the show. And you come mm-hmm. back three months later, and they were a bunch of um, solo pilots mm-hmm. flying all over hell and gone, um, crossing paths and. Um, had gotten totally off course. So the accountability side of a coming back and first building, but then reviewing it to confirm that you're on course is where that advisory accountability place can really help. So,
1: so it's the same thing in design, right? I mean, as, as I was going about my craft and my design, my dad, like, I told you not to do that. Why the hell you keep doing it? Right? Like, that's ugly. That doesn't work. you got to, you got to follow these rules. Yeah. So absolutely the relationship has to continue and you go back and back and back, um, to the mentor, to the, to the, to the account, to the advisory position and say, Hey, uh, am I doing it right? Am I not? Yeah.
2: And, but it's hard in this, one of the things I've found in this world is that it's, it, it, it's, it's not hard. It's uniquely difficult. Um, most, of the folks who are in and around the traditional arts started out as a hobby Um, not too many of them said, you know, I, I'm going to go, go, go to school and get the skills or begin apprentice. And I'm going to open my saddle shop, or I'm going to open my bit and spur shop, or, um, I'm going to get my rawhide room up and going. It started out as a hobby and most hobbyists, they're not in it to make a dollar. So they really don't care whether costs and, and revenue um, are working in the right way, uh, as long as- I hate that. By the way, well,
1: I hate. I, I want I want a hobbyist to make money, I, right? If it, I don't care if it's a hobby or not, why cannot make money doing well, it? Well,
2: one of the things that I, that anybody who who you know, sometimes you have to uh, I have to tell people be careful if when you ask me a question because I'm going to tell you what I think. <laughs> good <laughs> and and also assume positive intent when i say things a hobbyist yeah. screw something up a business up faster than anyone around because Damn. because they don't have a financial mindset and so as they price or they give stuff away they're creating a view in 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 a world where people are trying to make money uh, what what's valuable and what's not and hobbyists yeah. are um just because you're a hobbyist doesn't mean you're not damn good at what you do. I, I see some hobby work, whether it's, um, woodwork or it's, um, rawhide or saddle maker. I see some stuff that just blows my mind. And, um, but they don't have a, they don't have a financial picture. They're not trying to support their family. I mean, you want to, you want to get serious about financials have to put food on your table, have to provide, mm-hmm. um, clothes to your kids. That'll motivate mm-hmm. you pretty quick, but a hobbyist doesn't think that way. And so that transition starting at hobby kind of gets us off on the wrong foot. Um, and, yeah. and, it, and it just can, I,
1: I see guys too say, well, I don't want to work that hard. I don't want to think about that, Willie. I just want to make this stuff. I don't want to think about all those things and that. Not- gosh that's terrible yeah
2: and i i I was at a a rawhide gathering earlier this spring that jay adcock and uh nate wald put on Uh, Mm -hmm. yeah i was there i was there on on a skills mission because i there's something i've been trying to upgrade my my braiding and nate and jay were kind enough to help me while i was there and but at dinner one night, I was sitting at a table with uh, a full-time rawhide braider, and there's not very many. Um, mm-hmm. Steve Derricott, who's my mentor, a young man um, who's just starting out in braiding, but his braiding is is wicked good. Uh, and we were talking about all this financial stuff. And after about 45 minutes, he he said, well, um, so what advice would you have for me? And I'd <laughs> so heard all this. And it didn't resonate. And I said, well, yeah. the advice would be to get a job. And I think both the my partners at the table kind of reacted to that because it was like, wait a minute, don't tell him that. He wants to be a braider. But he needs to be able to support himself as he becomes a really good braider. Um, yeah. And so uh, it's that. And, he, and what he said is, well, I don't like numbers. Well, therein lies the trap. Sometimes yep. you have to do stuff you don't like.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, and, and I'll tell you the, the greatest joy of my day is to be able to sit down and create and be creative. And, and I tell everybody I retired at 25 to do that. I've been working my butt off ever since to keep doing that. And people, people tell me, well, I, how do you get up at four o'clock in the morning and go to work? I don't want to get a job, right? I, I, so I'm going to have to do some things that I don't want to do in order to continue to do the things that I want to do. So why not think about the business side of it to give me the opportunity to keep doing the things I want to do. And then, man, the better I'm at doing those things I don't want to do, the actually, the better I can do the things I do want to do. So I, I, I don't understand the mentality, but I won't get off.
0: Well, Wilson, that. Wilson <laughs> there, you know, there's a, uh, a saying here that i stumbled into here just a couple months ago that i saw in a, a break room of a dentist office of all places and it and uh, the saying goes like this we systematize everything that is predictable so that we can humanize everything else and and so mm-hmm. you start to unpack that and what we're really trying that's what we're saying here right is we need to make us mm-hmm. operate within a system, and a part of that system is numbers. And if you it, you mm-hmm. ignore those numbers at your own peril, you got to do that yep. in order to live in the human world, as we would describe it, it as being creators of, of work and and productive yep. and profitable and all of that kind of stuff. So we've got to be able to systematize those things that are predictable. And I would make the case that when you uh when you operate it that way, and I'm don't look at me because I'm not <laughs> I've not been very successful at this, <laughs> but uh you increase the number of things that can be systematized and you create more efficiency. I know doc you remember Mike, Dr. Kittredge was talking about this in a seminar that she gave here some years back where where you got on uh, these these two kind of ladders, and you have productivity on one hand, and that's what Willie's talking about, and on the mm-hmm. other hand you have the financial part of it, the profitability part, and and they sort of I can't give you a visual, of course, but one feeds off the other. When you have more productivity, it feeds your your your. Uh, your profitability aspect your profitability aspect yeah. gets a handle on the other ladder and you're just this tandem kind of in tandem uh, thing that feeds off two tracks that feed off of one another
2: yeah the the other thing I would add to that is you also have to be um, very focused um, mm. the uh, you, you can't do all things and be mm. wildly successful at that you've got to be able to really focus in on the, the three or four things that really make a difference in what you're trying to accomplish. Uh, and the one of my observations in this world is that, um, people are, are incredibly talented making stuff. And so they can fix a car or they can fix a tractor or they're, 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 wired in a way that they just look at something mechanical or something that needs to be built and know how to do it um, mm-hmm. and the reason I see that is because that's not me I call a guy when that time um, happens um, and it's been one of the things I've really had to I'm not an intuitive braider for example I I'm kind of a paint-by-numbers guy um, so I, and most of the people in my craft are intuitive um, they see mm-hmm. it they, they understand how everything comes together um, and and what that leads to Uh, is they start out being a saddle maker and they're not making enough there. So then they look around and go, Oh hell, I can, I can braid ride and make a little bit more. And then, Oh, you know, I'll build a bit and Mm -hmm. down the road they go. And now they've not really focused on one thing and got really good at it. Bill Black. um, one of the things he, he shared early on when I ran into him was, uh, I said, how do I get better? He said, build reins. Um, and because everything you need to know is in that project, and so I did, and it was has been phenomenally helpful to me. Um, but conversely, it's also some of your 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 be, the best things are your worst things. I now get a lot of orders for reins, and I get tired of building them because I I need that that variety, and so you got to find the balance. Yeah. But Carly Walker, who's a saddle maker out of Weezer, he. he he said something to me one day. He said, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Yes. And this, that's, that really draws in this focus thing is that you, you need to have a plan that focuses you in on the thing that you're going to do. And you need to make that work first before you start ranging out. And I'm not suggesting that a saddle maker shouldn't be able to scratch on silver or vice versa. But you've got to have... That one thing that's paying the bills, that's putting food on the table, table, that's working for this all to be able to give you the lifestyle and the opportunity that you want to have.
1: You know, Mike, I, the, the, that just because there's a couple things, and the, the first of all, I'll say that Carrie and Scott and I think Nate did a did a, a very high end saddle for a very good customer one time, and we were showing. Remember Pat Price uh, carry it at a yep. Mesa. We were showing him that saddle and uh, and Pat said, he said, man, he said, that's something else. He said, but just because you can play every instrument in the orchestra doesn't mean you're playing a symphony. And and that's kind of what was going on with that saddle and focusing on some certain things. and 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 so that's from a design standpoint, right? You don't have to show it all in order to make it. It, it just because you can do it all doesn't mean it's gonna beautiful be beautiful. And then on a skill set deal, like you were saying with with Conley, um, and I have had to be very careful with this in my in the past oh ten years, cause there was a point where I'm like, No, focus, stop. Don't be this, bitten spur makers are all the time doing silver work. And the saddle makers are guilty of it too, which is even even further out in left field than a bitten spur maker doing it, because we do some of those skills, but they they do a lot of it. I'm like, look, just focus on one or the other and you will be better at it. I still believe that. I absolutely believe that. I, I probably hurt some feelings in the past and I apologize to those individuals now and then and next, right? I mean, I'll continue to apologize. Everybody gets to row their own boat, but don't ask me how the hell I got so good when this is all it is that I do, right? I build business for 16 hours a day. There's a reason that I'm not very good at silversmithing because I don't do it. Right, I focus on my business person, and, and I and and I think that's a key ingredient to to really excelling at something is if you do focus and don't get off course. Schwartzy, you, uh,
0: uh, I, you do I same agree. thing. I, huh? I tried to. Oh, I thought I was. I might want to start incorporating silver work into my repertoire. This has been probably yeah, almost thirty years ago went out and got, got the ball engraving ball and the vice and gravers and chunks of silver and stuff. Spent some time with a guy named Charles Wheat up in Montana, passed away now. And I also spent a little bit of time with Dale Harwood. Of course he was doing his own saddle silver at that time. And, Mm. but I was also running cattle, had two little kids and, and, uh, was in this Toastmasters club and, and uh wow <laughs> i could see right away it was going to take quite a bit of dedication and time and stuff to get my silver work up to the level of my leather work and uh, i the the numbers just weren't there i just couldn't i could i didn't see a path forward with what i had going on there and now i'm at a place where wow well, my leather work is even is 30 years better than it was back then There's no, I still got my tools, but I ain't going to touch them. Well,
2: I'm not suggesting that you, that someone shouldn't do those things, but simply trying to get people to focus on the one thing that's truly going to pay the bills and work before you distract yourself, before you become the solo pilot and the blue angels offline, Mm -hmm. your own, you know, out out of formation, be focused. Um, and the other yeah. part of it is you—you you need to understand your costs, and that was—that was the, um, you know, I kind of got to Willie when I asked him the question about um, what he did the other half half of his time that he um, wasn't bill, billing hours, and mm. that that led us to this conversation around the um, tracking time I'm journaling, journaling your time. Mm. Um, I can't remember all that I did yesterday. I remember the big things, but it's the little things that are that get, that sometimes distract you from what you're doing. And that was an that was an intri- entry into the whole conversation around costs. And following that, someday we'll talk about creating a bill of materials for each one of your projects. Um and um and then also how time as you advance your skill set um, it actually takes you many times longer to do something that you did quicker before. Not that you're yeah. worse, but you're, you've, you've changed something to make what you're doing better. Um, I did this yesterday. I put my, I had to braid a, a, a Ramal or a uh, brain body. and I put myself on the clock. And what I have in my spreadsheet that was three hours now is four hours because I'm trying something different, so I'm a little bit slower. Uh, I think I'm a little more refined in what I'm doing and I'm capturing things that I didn't capture when I tracked it before. So my time, my costs have actually gone up. Well, that means my margin went down Um, and you've got to make, you've got to be able to understand those trade-offs. And if you aren't, if you do not have your costs nailed down. It'll kill you. It's the single big reason that things fail is lack of knowledge around the cost it takes, which many times for all of us, it's time that you're tracking. trapped. Oh, yeah. um,
1: That's exactly what I was going to ask. Yeah, they kill you. Time.
2: Yeah, I, I time hear time. it all the time out of rawhide braiders. Oh, the hide's worth nothing. Well, it's not. And today, <laughs> post-COVID, nobody charges, nobody sells hides anymore the market drive. Hmm. So yeah, the hide are free. And if the rancher calls you and wants you to come uh, pull it off a cow that died, great. But that hide's not free. You've got no. um, five at least hours in in getting that hide and prepping that hide. I heard a braider mention yesterday, 10 to 12 hours. Um, I'm still, I got to go back now and revisit my numbers, but that, the, 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 the the con the belief is it's just free it is not free because your time is incredibly valuable and getting that mindset into this community is an incredible challenge and the two of you using your journaling that's just the that's the first step that's the how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time that's just the first step towards really yeah. getting your arms around this whole bigger question you know mike god. Uh...
0: <laughs> this maybe I'm not the sharpest crayon in the box here, but uh, it takes me a while to get things figured out. But uh, you know what you just said there that time is money, and and we've heard that over and over and over and over and over again. But to make that connection in my mind has been very significant here lately. So when I look at say six hours, I was just telling Wilson earlier before we started. A recording here today uh, that I think I logged nine hours of billable hours just day before yesterday had to get into the evening in order to do it of course but but uh, now I'm I'm thinking in terms of what does that mean to me monetarily and another one of the Wilson said it many times knowledge is power. When I know what that number is, that becomes motivating. And before it's just back to the old cowboy deal. Oh, I just want to make stuff. <laughs> well, yeah. That's not a very sustainable business model.
2: No, it, it it's one of the challenges in I think in and around this this world of traditional cowboy art. You know, in a in a in a corporate world, the company is driving able to drive that mindset. We really don't have, um, anyone who's, who's taking ownership of that in and around this world. Um, and you know, every company has to um, worry about the financial health of the community. A church has to worry about, even though it's a nonprofit, It has to it has to worry about its financial health to be able to continue to provide the services that it provides into the community, and it has to worry about the financial help of those who attend, because that is what holds blue that holds the. um, And in a corporate world or a nonprofit world, there is an organization who's focused on um, the financial health, the the broader view of. how it all works and does strategic planning and education. And, and I, I don't know that we really have that today. And that's one of the, the challenges that, um, I think we face in trying to get, um, our arms around it and, um, and also helping others believe because the other part of it is also education, which is, um, I, at I, I least know, I, I won't sp- speak to bit and spurs and saddles, but I, but I, I know in the rawhide world, we have an uneducated consumer that we're selling to. Um, they don't under—they don't necessarily understand why um, that I sell for nine hundred dollars is that much better than something they can buy out of Mexico for four hundred and fifty dollars. Um, yep. and so um, that that really messes with the marketplace um, and. We saw it in Elko this year at a. Uh, there was an event there where there were ten pairs of, of rawhide rammels on the wall, which is pretty rare to have that many all in one place. And just watching the the bidding and the sell and the, that whole process, which was phenomenal, it was incredibly uh, successful. Um, really led me to just it just reinforced to me that from a consumer knowledge standpoint, it's pretty hard to differentiate one pair versus the pair that's hanging right next to it. And that's an education. Um, same in the saddle world. What? Why does, why does it matter that the saddle doesn't rub a sore on the horse or your back or that you can ride it, you can put 12 hours in and, and, um, and the horse still feels good and ready to go? That education is important. And then the other piece of it is that, you know, all this stuff is jewelry to a cowboy, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's where that's jewelry generates a huge margin. But if, but we don't necessarily think about it that way. Um, But when somebody rides in the branding pen, they want the rest of the world to look over and go, Hey, look at that. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, check out that hackamore or look at that saddle or look at those reins. Um, We, 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 we use this stuff to be, to, because it's, it's it makes, us, makes us feel good about ourselves, but it also, it, we do it because people look at us and go, wow, look at that.
1: We're, we're in the enhancement business. Have- we can make people feel better about themselves. Yeah. And, and honestly, that's all I have. I mean, okay, sure, I can give you a big long spiel about how my spurs are going to wear longer and a bit's going to be smoother and function and fit a horse better and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, more than likely, 50 to 75% of the people riding one of my bits probably aren't going to be able to tell the difference between that and a nicely made production bit. Right. I mean, they could buy a Jim Edwards production bit and and I promise the function is going to be equal to, to what I've got going. So, so it's just, now it's just, are you looking at me when I run into the pen with that, with that bit in my horse's mouth? Right. That's all I got to sell. So well i had a brilliant thought carrie but you're gonna have to talk because it left me all of a sudden (laughs)
0: well it uh while the circle back maybe even to some of the threads we got going on here and maybe one of the first ones was this whole time time situation and the question i ask why is it we're we're so uh, hesitant to engage the numbers of what we do and and it made me think of uh it's almost as if some of us, I guess I'd have to include myself in this category, has got this kind of primal uh situation where I just want to get up and and uh you know hunter-gatherer situation. Well, time wasn't a deal before the advent of, of the railway. In fact, uh, they say that uh the term being on time was non-existent before the railway came Hmm. and trains because they were on a schedule and the train was to show up at a particular train station at a particular time so it was either on time or it was not on time and then from then Hmm. of course then it was that was the beginning of the industrial revolution where where time became money then we started referring to we spend time. So the the connection with we're monetizing time, and some of us I guess are are a little closer to being cavemen that <laughs> they never clocked in. All they had to worry about was okay. what am I going to eat today, and try not to be not to be eaten. And uh, so that's what I think. In the cowboy world, that's isn't that a little bit of that primal kind of a situation where we're we're connected to the land, the weather, the animals, and all of this kind of thing. What does time mean to a cow or a horse? Yeah. These are nine issues in in the big picture of things. Yeah, it, does that make sense? It's, it's it's I think you hit
2: the nail on the head. It's it's a cowboy mentality, a ranch mentality, a farmer mentality. The, the day begins when the sun goes up and it doesn't end when the sun goes down. Um, because mm-hmm. the need is the need. Um, and you've got to meet the need or you're not going to be successful. So there's, there's this all-in mindset. Um, and I think that's a challenge. You do what you have in front of you. you. You stay at it as long as you have to stay at it. Um, and at the end of the day, you hope you're going to be successful. Um, and I think that it's proven to work pretty good there. Although, if you if you want to work an eight to five job, don't be a rancher, don't be a farmer, um, don't work the land because that ain't going to happen. Um, mm. it, it, you have to meet the demand that is coming at you when you're building a product and you're marketing something to a consumer. I think that changes the game, and um, it leads to a different kind of discipline and a different kind of thought process. But many of those who are doing the things that we do um, come out of that cowboy world, or are attached to it in some way, that that make it hard to reconcile those two different two, two different worlds. Hmm. Well, that's
0: that's what yeah, it occurred to me just as we're visiting here and some of the study and I've done about the arts and crafts movement back in the late 1800s early 1900s and and how that was one of the things they were battling some of the same stuff we are today uh the mechanization of a lot of stuff automation to some extent and and the factor of time when you throw time into the equation and and i think suddenly here this morning i'm <laughs> I think I understand myself a little bit more. That's part of the aversion I have to. Oh, I have to keep track of my time. Are you kidding me? I hate that. But in well, today's world, you want to. You're going to have to find something else. You want to be wedded to the clock, then go get a real job. Like Wilson says, he's working like hell to so that he won't have to go work. Is that what you said, yep. Willie? Yeah
1: yeah i don't get a real job hey and i'll tell you when time really i so saw i i i had a um i have a couple friends one was, one's a veterinary a veterinarian had a big business and another one had had a electrical company in midland they're very close friends and and both of them told me you got to keep track of your time yeah 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 i ain't gonna do that crap and and uh my business did not like yours i was of that mentality at that time and then And then I was taking a class from a world-renowned engraver. And in that class, he said, I had a businessman tell me, a successful businessman tell me, you have to start keeping track of your time. That's the only way you're going to make a living. And he said, I tried it, but it really didn't work out for me. He's a world-renowned engraver and had nothing, right? And I was like, there it is. There's the example is, is I absolutely have to start keeping track of my time in order to, to make a living here to know what I'm worth, to know my costs like you like we talked about earlier Mike and and that was when the light bulb went off of me And I was like I gotta try I have to try it and and started coming home at that point and and I didn't know anything about Excel and computer I knew about computers but I didn't know about Excel so I kept it on a Manila folder and that was a pain in the butt because then you have to do math and I'm excited about where I'm at now but Are there so maybe that as a segue into are there easy ways to accomplish this, Mike, and and, that help us make it easier where we don't have to think about it? Uh, Keeping track of time and some of these numbers that you're saying,
2: Um, there's it's kind of like learning the the trade. There's no short path, um, Mm. shortcuts. It you can't um, just simply look at tax return at the end of the year and know whether you were making progress or not. Because the, the components of this are in time, it's not just time relative to cost, it's time relative to improvement. It's time sure. it, It's time relative to am I advancing to where I want to get to. Um, and it also is the, the comp- one of the most important components to how you price what you sell. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't care if somebody sells a thirty thousand dollars saddle and has thirty thousand dollars of cost in it. The thirty thousand dollars, other than the art of it, becomes meaningless to your family. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's it, it's it, it's it's absolutely necessary, but you don't have to you don't have to build Rome in a day either. Um, all right. just as you all, you guys are doing with, you can begin by just simply getting your arms around how you spend time. And then you can use mm-hmm. that to start to, um, develop a bill of materials, which breaks down every piece of what goes into one of your projects and puts time and expense against that so that you can see that what right now you're seeing relative to a day or a week or a month, you'll be able to look at relative to a product um and um and that then will start to get to some of this hobbyist mentality which is well I don't really need to sell it to make money that'll start pushing you to a place where you you may not need the money but you can see how you should price something so that you fit into the marketplace you get acknowledged and rewarded for what you're capable of doing um, and I also believe that helps educate the consumer who's buying because you can speak to what went into it, what it takes to do it. It's like someone will ask me, well, how long does it take you to build that, that pair of Rommels? Well, uh, there's an answer to that question, but the one they, 20 years, I've been at this twenty, years mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's not the 10 days or a week or that it takes to be done. No. it's all that went in to get me to the place that I can do that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That, that famous painter, that my dad told me about, I think it's a or one of those guys, he was on the beach painting a, pa- a picture and a lady walked up behind him and said, that's the most incredible painting I've ever seen. How much do you want for it? And he said, $10,000. She said, good grief. How long did it take you to do it? And he said, three hours plus 50 years. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's ten thousand dollars.
2: Yeah, it, it's it's uh, a and and it, if you, it's it, you just have to decide where you're going, um, and yeah. uh, and then then hold yourself accountable. And this is find advisors, find people around you to hold your, your yourself accountable. You've got to in, inspect what you expect. Are we all get yeah. attracted by the you know the squirrel runs by and I'm off. I'm I've lost track. Of what I'm doing. <laughs> um, and that that's just. Nature. It's just it's just who we are, um, and by tracking time, you can also stay focused on continuous improvement. One of the things that I love about watching, um, and I've been watching Carrie, Carrie build what and do what he does longer than I have with you, Wilson. But um, there's an air of continuous improvement in everything mm-hmm. you guys do, um, mm-hmm. and that that's a drive to be better, which which is really key to the artist, but that continuous improvement needs to be rewarded as well. And so sure. um, the cons- it doesn't do any good if the consumer doesn't acknowledge what you've now are able to do and pay you for that. You didn't get rewarded for what you put into making that happen. So this whole cost piece is, is key to that. And the other uh, the other element is you've got to become really good at pricing your product. And that takes yeah. search and it takes because there, there's no price list in the world for what we do. Um, and it's hard to find. Um, and so we have to we have to be diligent um, and, and make an effort to, to be able to, to bring all this together. It's it's not I'm not going to tell anybody it's easy. This is really, really hard stuff until you've got it up and going and then it's like a spinning a basketball on your finger you just touch it every once in a while and it just keeps right on going
1: so i think i think that one question that you you say there mike is what are we worth is the biggest question that everybody has like what are we worth and once you figure that out once you get a a, a, a foundation to build off of there then it becomes easier it's like the basketball you're talking about Like, like that's what was so hard for me is okay, so now you got me keeping track of my time and now that is worth something. Well, what is that worth? And everybody's worried about being more expensive than the next guy or not enough. And you, you just, it's, it's, that is a hard question. Yeah. Um, but once you figure it out, uh, man, away you go. Well, it is for me.
2: So, and I, I would reframe the question. Um, so Mm -hmm. if a, if an item sells at the TCA show in the fall, uh, Mm -hmm. That's not what you're worth. It's what you were right. deposit in the bank account and take home to your family mm-hmm. is what your worth is. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. That trying to reframe that that definition is one of um uh, it, it's one of the things that makes me a unicorn when I walk into a room of traditional cowboy artists. Because right. I I someone will say that, well, I you know, I I I sold Sold that for twenty five hundred dollars and I'm like, okay, well how much did you how much did you take home? I never ask him how much they make. Yeah. My dad was really he, he trained us early on. You never ask a rancher how many cows he's got. You don't ask somebody how much yeah. um, right. how much but but getting them to think about how much did you truly take home? That's your value. Yeah.
1: Kerry C- Carrie, Carrie said one time, and this, I don't know how many years ago you told me this, Kerry, but we're talking about selling a saddle for $40,000, and he said, it's really hard for people to understand you sold a saddle for $40,000, but you're walking around the room with your pockets hanging out. they, they <laughs> like we Right? You remember telling me that, Kerry? Oh,
2: yeah. <laughs> well, and, and that's, you know, and I, I fell into this trap when I started building. It was, well, who are you building for? I'm building for the working cowboy because that's who I knew. Yeah. And yeah. and then, and then lo and behold, I'd start running into working cowboys and they would say, well, I can't afford that. Mm-hmm. Yet they'd pull up in a $70,000 pickup.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I say that all the time. Or
2: you look at, uh, yeah. we just had the Pendleton Cattle Barons and the, the highest price selling cattle dog went for 16 grand. Yeah, um, this community, maybe not the working cowboy, um, has the funds to be able to buy yeah. a forty thousand dollars saddle. They can afford it, but yeah. but we have to te- we have to help them realize they need it. they need that. That's that that Absolutely. diamond ring on your finger. you gotta have it. Um, Absolutely is to get them convinced that they need it.
1: Well, and so we, 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 we talk about ourselves so much of what our own skill set is and what we can do and how good we are, but we don't talk about what we can do for that individual, right. For our customer. And, and, and that's why I ta- we provide a service and, and, uh, yeah, I have a skill set that I love to do and I want to continue to do it, but my product is providing a service for these individuals, help them feel better about themselves. And, and, um we don't talk about that enough. What can I do for you? How can I make you happy?
2: Right. Right. Yeah. It used to drive me nuts when I, something and it'd get hung on a wall. I'm like, no, I built, I yeah. built it for you to use. It. And then I began to realize just, it's this whole concept. It's hanging. Yep. Because it's, it's, it's scratching a need that they have. And so why yep. should I resist that? I should embrace it and yep. take advantage of it.
1: Well, be because that, that piece hanging on the wall could serve the same purpose as the individual, um, to the individual, that's hanging on the wall is the guy that, that uses it on his horse and rides in the Brandon pins as yeah. people walk in and they see it and they go, Oh my gosh, where'd you get that? Yeah. And over time, what I
2: find is it finds its way off the wall onto the horse because
1: sure.
2: they've, they've stepped up their expectations and what was a, a hanging piece is now a using and now something else yeah. got to hang on the wall, and so it's part of this this continuum that we all should be supporting.
1: Mm-hmm. Totally agree.
0: Well, we we are what we're doing is we're we're trying to offer and provide an experience for people. That is, and and isn't that a a that's a big part of what makes us human, right? Is that we're we. We enjoy sunrises. We enjoy mm-hmm. uh, so much beauty around us, and so and that that what was it created in our hearts was was that ability to appreciate beauty. Well, that's yeah. a beauty is an experience. It is an experience. So we're trying to trying to offer to to our customers, collectors, whoever they may be, an experience that that enhances their life and creates an enjoyment and uh so that's that's really our vocation and uh how what we're talking about this morning is is all of the nuts and bolts of how do we get that done and and remain in business for for a lifetime for a career one thing i wanted to circle back to uh mike you you said twice you've used the word accountability and yep. and within the context of, you need to be surrounded by some people who you you mentioned your wife she you're she kind of holds you to accountability I'm sure in a in a nice way, and uh, but that's part of what we're trying to do here with this podcast is hold ourselves to accountability. I one of the first things I asked Wilson this morning, uh, how are you doing with your time journaling? How, how's your week going? Uh, just things mm-hmm. like that build accountability into our lives. And that's a, that's a big part of this journey.
1: So I, I got a question. I'll specifically direct it. Mike is, is, uh, and that Carrie and I are reading the same, we're on the same deal. So I'm gonna be a little more pointed you have an advisory business that's to hold businesses accountable. As you come in, you say, Hey, you ought to change these things. And I'm assuming you go back and revisit and say, yes, you are, or you aren't. And this is how we need to improve. Um, my dad and Greg Darnell and Jim Edwards and the TCA have been there to hold me accountable as a craftsman, but I've not had that business advisor, not business mentor. And in our notes here, you 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 have a you know the last the last line is find a mentor. Um mentors don't have to be free. You have a business that mentors companies in a lot of ways, it looks like to me from a from a business standpoint what does that cost? Like, that's all like, that's a scary thing for me. When the Lorenda Van Newkirk does my uh, marketing for me. Well, the, the first question I had to ask was, I well, what scared me? I don't know if I can afford that. I can. But then the other question was the response to myself was, I don't know if I cannot afford it. I had the same feeling with you and what your, what your skill sets, not whether it's an offer or not. I don't know, but, I absolutely believe I need a mentor in the business side of this, somebody to come in and and meet, you know, Jason has helped me with some things that we talked about, but man, from budgeting to planning to the whole nine yards, I honestly don't know a damn thing about it. I can keep track of time and I know some, some fundamental things like I better make this much money or I'm not going to be able to pay the bills. I mean, I got some things going like that, but What's it cost for a guy like you to come in or is it available for a guy like you to come in to mine and carry his business and say, "Hey, here we go we got let's look at it
2: yeah, so is that available it, i think it there it's available in a lot of ways um that that and I'll talk about those the the challenge is that um people follow those that they believe that they that they uh, respect and so trust you yeah. part of part of the challenge here will be getting, um, those in this community that everyone respects, um, to show that, and you're doing that with this podcast, in my opinion, with, with your time, your talk around costs and time to lead out because we, we tend to follow those that we respect, that we, Mm -hmm. um, believe have, um, something that we, um, want to be, or that we desire or that we get value from. So part of this challenge will be Um, getting those that fit into those roles or the organizations that fit into those roles to lead out. Um, And uh, that will draw others along. The cost side of it is there's so much available um, that your tax dollars pay for every day and you just don't take advantage of it. I learned to braid. State of Washington paid me and my mentor, Steve Derricott. For me to learn how to braid because they didn't want the traditional arts to disappear um Hmm. i didn't pay a dime for that Uh, and so Hmm. anybody living in the state of washington they paid me to to learn how to braid um as the idaho arts commission um and there's apprenticeships and they can't give these things away um and if you get the right mentor who mentor who has a business mindset steve did with me um then that that becomes a way of getting after some of this as well as learning the skill and you don't and you get uh, and there's money available to be able to do that the state of idaho for example and i apologize a lot of this idaho where i live has a, a my entrepreneur program that people can sign up and become a part of and i think that dr kittrich she was doing that i'm not i don't know if she's still running that she deal still is. um okay so that's available and that's, again, you, you pay a little bit, but because it's a it's a, uh, a group part, you don't pay as much. It's like one of your classes, Wilson, mm. who shows up for a week and it's one price. And if an individual shows up for a day, it might be the same price. And so you take advantage yep. of that group experience. Yep. Small Business Administration has, has people that are retired, business people like me, that do nothing other than, and that's her whole role there, than to mentor um, small business people um, who have needs or, or challenges or problems. Um, that's available in most every community in the United States. And no, and most people don't even know it's there. Um, community colleges. Um, you know, one of the things that to do what we're talking about, you're going to have to get pretty proficient at is, is a program like Excel. Uh, mm-hmm. Microsoft, right? So I, that's, I think, in Microsoft kind of terms. Um, but that's where you document and track this, because the one thing that I know is that if you don't write it down, it's not real. And so you have to have a place, right. just as you all and and Wilson, you have your way of tracking your time journal. I know Kerry has his way, um, but you got to write it down or it's not real, because then it memorializes it and you can, and you can look back on it and see what works. So getting um, a tool that helps you with that. Um, as well as the community college, you can get marketing and sales and financial management. Um, go take a class. Um, it's your livelihood mm-hmm. that you're talking about here. Um, before you ever think about um, doing uh, hiring a mentor, hiring someone to do it, uh, you are already available to you. And I don't know. You guys would know better than I do whether the TCA has anything to offer here, but uh, if they do then there's a, then that's another avenue where um, you can start to to take advantage of both the the skill set development but also b- bringing this financial management uh, part along along for the ride
1: we don't have anything right Carrie I mean we all talk business and we all share our business with folks but it's all so focused on the craft side of it not the business side
0: uh, we did I host guess, that, or am my miss that craftsman symposium there a few years back we talked a lot about business stuff then so sure. we might be about due for another one of those <laughs> and we'll have to invite Mike to be a presenter perhaps if we can get Absolutely. that Absolutely.
2: well and and, and it, Wilson kind of saw how this developed at the, at the earlier this year in Oklahoma you know it, 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 uh, Jason went out of his next to me on the right went, went around strategic planning and and mm-hmm. cost management. And so um it, it there but but we kept wanting to go talk about the skill, the design, the that part of it, because that's yeah. that, that's how we're all that's that's the, the primary wiring. And so there you, you have to be intentional when you want to dive into something that's not a um, natural activity for those around you to to engage in. You have to be very intentional about it.
1: Well, and, and I, I, uh, <laughs> I did like, you know, to, to watch my first scrolls drawn, my first blacksmith and deal on my, like, I have no idea where to start, right? Somebody has to show me somebody has to, to, has to do it. And, uh, and, and that's kind of where I fit right now in the business side of this. I mean, I, okay. i I think business talk business an awful lot, but I promise you, I have a, when I'm around somebody like you, Mike, that, that has the background you have, I'm like, man, hat off, hand in hand, hat in hand, come here, take this, please take this and show me what you can do. Because, uh, I, do you feel the same way? Carrie? It's like, oh, I'm so far out of my league thinking this stuff. Yep.
0: That's a totally different language that I'm trying to learn at a very late stage. I'm almost (laughs) embarrassed to admit, but.
1: me too. And and I don't understand, I don't understand why we don't have somebody come in and and help us with strategic planning and cost management. And, and I'm willing to do whatever. I mean, I know I'm messing up. So dude, please show me the right way. And and, and that's my personality, right? Is I'm not the guy that, has to figure things out on his own. I, I, I just soon not figure anything out on my own. I want to take what's a success and I may change that, right? It may evolve into fitting my world better and time journaling and all this has, but man, give me a, give me a success story. And then I'm going to go down as hard as I can and and make it my own. One of the challenges that you have
2: when you're, you're embarking on something new and uh, there's a a business writer. His name's Tom Peters, and one of his quotes is, "It's one of my favorites." and it's, a plan Without exception, is a hallucination.
1: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
2: and um, you know, it, one of the challenges that happens a lot is that that uh, in, in organizations, or even with us individuals, you can you can get a plan written. But if you don't have someone to execute it, and Wilson, I'll, I'll give you credit for, you've got someone in the shop now, you have a plan, mm-hmm. and, but mm-hmm. it's not up to you to execute it. It's up to you to inspect that it's working, but sure. um, the execution piece is probably the most important part of it. So what you think about the discussion of getting a plan, a strategic plan, um which out of that, the, the biggest thing that will ever come out of a strategic plan is not what are you going to do, but what are you not going to do. Right. And and that, but having the ability or someone who's, or someone who's responsible for the execution after it's done is probably the most important part of the whole process. Um, and it's the place that I see so many things not work is when there's no one who has time or the responsibility to execute. I'd rather see a half-baked plan get executed really well than a phenomenal plan get executed half-ass.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, the plan's the biggest problem I think I have is, okay, so the time journaling, yeah, and I got Eli in here. His job is to keep me clocked in, and he's doing an incredible job of that, right, and taking care of some things that I shouldn't have to do. From the Bo Eason book, uh, Carry. And, and have you heard of the book, um, there is no plan B for your a game, Mike, have you
2: heard of that? Yeah, that That's the prior that's that simply saying that hey, you have to have a priority.
1: But yeah. You have to have a priority. Well, you know, he talks about, I'm not a piano mover. I, I may play the piano, but I ain't moving the damn thing. That's somebody else can do that. And, and, and that's kind of what, what uh, I've got Eli doing. There's an awful lot of stuff that, Hey, he can absolutely execute. And and maybe, Better than me, so within my business that people don't expect me or insist that I do like making of the bits and spurs. I've had lots of people. Well, what's he going? Is he going to build some parts for? He's going to cut this? No, he's not touching a damn thing that I'm making. Right? That's not his job. But there's so many parts of this business that he can execute and do that don't have to re- directly relate to me and my my effort. Yeah. So it's I've been averaging eight hours a day this week, which is incredible. It's awesome.
2: Well, Well, that that gives you
0: the end. Go ahead. Probably better put a wrap on it and uh, we could probably go on all day. So I could. But that also means that we need to have Mike back on here again one day and make him a frequent flyer here. So hopefully, I I, I don't know about you guys, but it's been a little bit, the internet's been a little skippy. I've been. Using my imagination to fill in some of the stuff that's been being said here, but uh, anyway, hopefully we'll be able to upload everything here um, onto this platform and be good to go. But Mike, we really, really appreciate you coming on board with us, and uh, it, it's turned out to be exactly I think what we wanted, and and uh, we're gonna have to have yeah. you come back. Well,
1: well, he's gonna have he's gonna have to inspect, right?
2: Well, yeah, thanks for including me. And I appreciate the friendship as much as anything else. That's that's what makes this all work. Totally agree. All
0: right. Thank you, Schwartzy. guys take care. And Mike, hang on here for just a minute or two. We got to finish uploading our program here. But uh, take care, y'all. Adios.